What's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered, and I am your host, Joshua T. Berglund. What's going on, everybody? That was not the, the smoothest transition, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Blessed to be here. This is Word of God Church presents Gratitude Unfiltered. And again, I am your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and we are live on the Live Mana Worldwide Network. You can find us at livemanaworldwide.org. Um, really, really exciting things happening there. Really blessed. Uh, just to all that God is doing uh, has been miraculous. It's It's been miracle after miracle after miracle. And just so grateful um, to have the opportunity to, one, broadcast and to be with you guys tonight at Word of God Church in Oklahoma City. And, of course, all over the world watching on all of the different platforms. Um, it's just I'm humbled. For the opportunity to be here um last week uh last saturday night was the last show i've done i had a week of guest host uh for gratitude unfiltered and i've had a lot of time to reflect from that last episode and if you did see it uh you know it was different <laughs> not your typical church sermon but i'm not it's not supposed to be it it's it's there's such a need for real, and I'm not going to sit here and pat myself on the back and talk about real because honestly, I felt like I cheated the audience. I felt like I cheated my church, but the integrity of Word of God Church and My Brother's Keeper and Gratitude Unfiltered and Live Mono Worldwide matters above my pride and my ego of wanting to deliver some powerhouse message. And... This week has been something where I've had the opportunity to really get close to God in a way that I have not been close to him before. And mind you, I pursue Jesus every day. And, 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 and my relationship with Jesus is everything to me. Nothing works without Jesus being at the forefront of my life. Nothing comes together because See, without Jesus, I would think I'm in charge. Without Jesus, I would think that my way is the way. And frankly, my resume of, <laughs> of thinking that way has not worked in my benefit whatsoever. Um, we are live right now from the Element Hotel uh, in Bloomington, Minnesota, and I want to thank them for allowing me to broadcast here, and um, it really means a lot to me, and I love, of course, being in this room because I have the opportunity to really really stretch my vocal cords and yell and all that stuff if I need to, but this week has been interesting because it's tested my faith in ways that I was not expecting, but also probably not like you think. 
you know, testing my faith, I used to believe like, well, you know, do you really believe in Jesus or not? Like, or do you worship Jesus? Do you, do you have enough faith that you're going to be willing to follow him through whatever? That, that's what faith is meant. But sometimes we're called to do something for the kingdom that we may not feel very qualified for or feel that we have any business doing what God is asking us to do. I like to think that I've, I'd like to think that I've lived by faith, you know, for the last five years, lived by a pretty bold faith. But it's funny when we can get cocky sometimes or get a little like, yeah, I'm, I, have, I have strong faith. God has a way of testing us to humble us. And there's a funny paradox, I think. I think it's a paradox. But when God calls you to do something and it's you're over your head a little bit, or maybe you feel over your head, and you 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 don't maybe not feeling worthy for the challenge, or maybe that I get caught up in my own ego and believing that you know I have all these skills and I can do this and do that, and then all of a sudden you know we pray for God to to give us more, like I want more God, use all of me, God. That's been my prayer for the last two months. Father, use all of me for your purposes. What I didn't think when I was praying that prayer that he was also going to try to stretch my faith. But the beautiful thing about that is everything God challenges us or calls us to do, he's going to equip us, he's going to provide but at the same time, we also have to surrender to the fact that, yeah, we really need him. This is not me doing it. It's, it's like, I'm going to give you this challenge that you get to do, but guess what? You can't do it on your own. You need me. This week, more than ever, I've realized how much I need Jesus, and it hasn't even been for anything bad. I haven't been on my knees begging for anything except for every time I sit down to write and writing the stories for this movie, I'm putting myself, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but I'm writing as a woman in some respects. Sometimes I'm about to start writing as a man again, thank God, but writing as a woman and trying to like put myself into somebody else's life. And I'm going, I don't, I don't, I'm telling God, I don't have the vocabulary for this. I don't have this, I don't have that. I need you. I think I've said, I need you so many times in the last week. And, and it's funny because as I'm writing and I wrote, I wrote my story, my LA story for the first time uh, this week and going back to that. And I remember those moments when I was, about to relapse or I had relapsed or thought, thinking I was going to overdose or something crazy was happening in my life. Like, I, I was like, God, I need you. God, I need you. Please get me out of this. Please don't let my mom find me like this. 
So as I'm writing these stories, I'm realizing, wait a second. Isn't this an interesting place to be in that before I was begging God and I needed him, but it was to pull me out of despair. But now here it is. I'm needing God to answer his call. God calls us to do things, yet the things that he's calling us to, we still get to be fully reliant on him. We never lose him. And isn't it so cool to be able like we never we never get become too cool. You know, did you ever remember like you know when your parent I don't know if your parents ever said this to you like you know when you were young and you wanted to be around your parents and then you got to a certain age where you no longer wanted to be around them anymore cuz you like wanted to hang out with your friends and do other things. Like it kind of reminds me of like what what life with Jesus is is like we we you know, so many other times and before I committed to following Jesus, I would I, I would only call on God's name. I would only call Jesus's name when I was desperate and needed something to get me out of trouble, help me financially, keep me from overdosing and dying or letting my mom find me in the position I was in. But what I've learned through following Jesus is the more we press into him and the more aligned with our vision and our purpose and what he's called us to do, we need him even more than we needed him when we were desperate and in pain and struggling. We get to live in joy and still need Jesus at the same time. It's kind of a, it, 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 it's a trip to me. In the good times, I'm pressing into Jesus more. And mind you, because it's a challenge, but it's been this beautiful thing because I'm getting to see God work on a level that I've never seen God work before. God is so good. That's not the message tonight. <laughs> but I just wanted to share that. And I don't know how long tonight's going to go because I... I got a couple things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about faith, um, faith works, and and I want to talk about the thorn in Paul's side. I'm going to talk about two different things, and I got to tell you that I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I don't know, and but I feel like I need to talk about it. I feel I have I have some built up stuff from this week. It feels so good to be here. Like, I cannot tell you enough how powerful it's been for me and how grateful I am to God for having the opportunity to have a platform to just let it bleh. Because sometimes I just need to bleh. And here's going to be one of those nights. I got a week of not doing gratitude unfiltered. And baby, this is my therapy. So you guys are about to witness a therapy session. <laughs> and another thing. Um, I, I, I want to give a really quick, uh, you know, thank you to Word of God Church and Pastor Castillo um, and all of the, the, the elders there and Jesus, the, my brother's keeper, the men and women there. So grateful for you guys. Um, and I miss you all. 
And uh, but I'm grateful for your support um, and grateful to to be a part of this ministry because being under your covering, being under your prayers, has blessed my life. Has has encouraged me. Has made me feel safe. Has and there's something about when you're a part of a church family having the opportunity to really like when you feel safe. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but like when I feel safe. In other words, when I feel protected and I feel like I've got a family behind me, with me, standing by my side, when I have that, I feel more bold and it, it, it strengthens my faith because I know, like last week, I was so insecure about the message I delivered, but to get to have the leaders at our church and the pastor reach out to me and, and just love on me, it meant something to me. It made me feel loved even then when I wasn't perfect, even when I wasn't my best, even when I didn't deliver a message that people would expect broadcasting in a church. I didn't get, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But here it is, the leaders in the church still love me. And this is what I wanna encourage you, anyone that's watching out there or listening on the podcast, any of you like find a church home and if you don't have one make word of god church online your home let us let us love on you let us pray for you you know make yourself known because it makes all the difference in the world because when you carry out and you step into faith and you decide that i'm going to pursue what god has called me to do when you make that decision, you're gonna need covering. You're gonna need the support of a family. And whether you're blood family or kingdom family, frankly, frankly, kingdom family is pretty amazing. Um, but you got them to love you and pray for you and to be there for you. It's so important. And the church is taking a lot of heat right now, and rightfully so. But not all churches are being disobedient. Not all churches are are, 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 well, I don't even know what the right word is. So I just won't go there. But I just want to say and express my gratitude for Word of God Church. And of course, I'm going to express my gratitude to everyone watching who's been praying for me and lifting me up. It, it's meant a lot. So we're going to talk about faith. And then we're going to talk about the thorn in Paul's side. Because for some reason, I feel like it applies to not only last week, but to life for each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for allowing me just to be here. Thank you for the purpose that you've given me and help me wake up to see, to realize, and to accept. Father, I ask that tonight you do a work in each and every one of us. As I deliver the message, Holy Ghost, speak through me, flow through me, give me the words that you want me to say. I completely surrender this entire broadcast to you. I am at your mercy, I use all of me. And I ask that you speak to the hearts and minds of everyone watching and listening. Father, you're a great God. It is so awesome to be able to completely surrender and to lay everything at your feet and know that you have our back. 
It's so awesome to be able to surrender and to trust something I don't even see, but I feel, and I'm grateful for you. Use me, use all of me tonight and speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, do a work inside each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, let's do this. Through faith, we have access to the spiritual inheritance God wants us to walk in for our marriages, our families, our job, and everything else that pertains to our lives. Through faith, spiritual inheritance. God wants us to walk in for our marriages, our families, our job, and everything else that pertains to our lives. You know, there's a lot of people, and I, I, I read this first thing here, and I, I, I think to myself, I take myself back to um, two and a half years ago, living in San Diego, being scared out of my mind. I was in a toxic, brutally toxic, abusive relationship. I was abusive. Uh, she was abusive. It's two of the times I went to jail were from that relationship, and yeah, we got back together. I was doing the work. I was walking with the Lord, but still stuck in a bad relationship because I was addicted to it. The pain of leaving was unbearable. God, I remember it was like being dope sick, trying to leave that relationship. And I told myself over and over and over again, no one's going to love me because I have HIV. No one's going to love me. Like I need to make this work. And she stuck by me through all, all the craziness and all the crap. And this is fresh on my mind because this is part of my LA story. I mean, two of the times I went to jail were in LA. And because of that relationship, because of my actions. But I told myself, no one is going to love me. Jail six times, HIV, bankrupt twice, homeless, mentally ill. And so I stayed. That fear kind of forced and milked a a codependency in me that stunted my growth, honestly. But I got the courage finally to leave. And mind you, it took a really random event of marrying somebody I didn't know, but I did leave. I fled to Las Vegas. <laughs> That's a story for another time. But getting myself out of the noise and the chaos allowed me to be able to finally hear the voice of God and what God wanted for me and God wanted me to heal. God wanted me to work on myself. God wanted to do a work in me to heal me so that I could finally get to see me and what God created me to be. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this or have ever had that season in your life, but I went into isolation and just did the work. 
But in doing the work, I learned what, when I removed the women and the sex and the drugs and all the things that I'd had there before, I, removing that allowed me to just be alone with God and to hear God's voice and to hear what God said about me. And I started to realize that I am worthy of love. I am worthy of leading a family. I'm, I'm worthy of all these things. I am who God says I am. However, I get to heal first. I get to prepare and equip myself to be ready to be in a position to be able to lead a family, to be able to run a company again, to be worthy of love. But I also had to learn how to love myself first and to do loving things to myself and to say loving things about me. Because every time I would look in the mirror, when I finally got to the place where I could look in the mirror, I started to understand that God, like, God was inside, and every time I would say something ne negative about myself, it was like I was spitting in God's face. Because God didn't create me to be a junkie or an abuser or mentally ill or a, a crazy person or somebody that couldn't handle a job, couldn't be responsible, wouldn't be a good steward of what I was blessed with, to be ungrateful. He didn't create me to be all that. He created me to love, love myself, and love others and to be an example of his love everywhere I walked do I fall short still yes absolutely but when I see through faith we have access to the spiritual inheritance God wants us to walk in for our marriages our families our job and everything else it was when I had the faith to surrender and the faith to trust him that he would heal me. And then even though there was a season of isolation and I missed being out and about and I missed all, I missed sex and I missed women and all that other stuff. I, I missed all of it, but I learned how to rely on him. And through relying on him, I learned a lot about love. And probably the most important thing I learned was loving myself. Through faith, we have rest in our souls in the midst of trials and tribulations. <laughs> Graham Cook, I don't know if I shared this last week or not, but Graham Cook says something I love about trials. Like when we face a trial, we go, Yahoo! Like we get excited when we see a trial or a tribulation because we know, we know in Christ the outcome is guaranteed. We will be victorious. In whatever season of struggle and strife, what feels like failure or closed door or failed opportunity, we know in Christ that this is a season of teaching us. It's stretching our faith. We're growing our faith. We're evolving. We're getting stronger. It's teaching us something. But we know to keep pressing on. See, the enemies that we face, the obstacles that we face in life or the, the giants that we have to conquer, they don't go away until we face them. And we have to face our giants with the knowing. We face our giants with the knowing that we are victorious. We know what they don't know, and that's we got Christ. And Christ is with us fighting the battle with us. 
for us. The outcome is guaranteed. We have to be willing to face it. We have to be willing to bloody up our elbows, maybe lose a few teeth, but in the end we'll be victorious. And when we're victorious, that giant's done. Whatever giant it is that you need to face today, <laughs> addiction, abuse, anger, doubt, face it head on with the attitude and knowing and fake it till you make it. But you know in your heart that you'll be victorious and you will be. And that giant's done. Now, there's new giants to slay after that, but eventually you get addicted to slaying giants, slaying demons, because you just know. Through faith, we have the power to overcome sinful bondages and run the race with endurance. What's your bondage? What are you, what are you holding yourself captive with? In faith, we know that we can overcome. God gives us an out with everything. We do not have to succumb to the temptations of the enemy. Through faith, we are able to release our gifting. Through faith, we are able to release our gifting in God and pursue the ministry he has ordained for our lives. Every single one of us have a gift. Now, I, I love what the pastor says when he talks about not focusing on the gift, but to focus on obedience, to focus on the relationship. Because, you know, we focus on the gifts, and actually this is going to lead into what I talk, to, I talk about later. But as we focus on the gifts, if we focus on the gifts, I think we're, we're, we're losing the point. But if we focus on the relationship, our gifts kind of just kind of, they come out of us. It's, it's, it's really odd how it works. Like you focus on the gifts. Yeah, you may get the gifting, but we lose sight of what it's all about. We lose the heart of, 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 of the gift. And then we can get blindsided and go like, I'm a prophet. And we start bragging about our prophetic gifts and blah, 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 and going up to strangers. Like God told me to tell you this. And God told me to tell you that. It's a dangerous slope because we start focusing on the gift. And instead of, and we try to control and manipulate and use the gift, and it becomes more of a weapon. But if we allow and we focus on the relationship, then the gift kind of comes through us. From what I've experienced, the difference, and believe me, when I first learned about gifts, I was all about it. I was like, give me more of that. I thought that was a new drug. You know, the spiritual gift, having vision, you know, being able to prophesy or whatever. It, it, it like it became this, like a, a thing. Like it was a party trick. You know, go to the bar and like, hey, check this out. <laughs> I'm going to get a vision for you. And then blah, 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 blah. And I'm just going to, and I'm going to do it. Like it's a party trick. I don't think that's pleasing to God. Heck, those party tricks made, made me believe for a long time that God wanted me to go out and party. Because when I would party, I would get visions for people and I'd be like, yeah, check this out. And I would just start prophesying while being inebriated out of my mind. 
Like I actually for a long time thought alcohol <laughs> I don't know where this delusion came from, but I for a long time I thought alcohol enhanced my gift. <laughs> Through faith, we release God provision for our lives and our families. God makes a way when there feels like no way. And there's a lot of families right now. There's a lot of people's lives that are in turmoil and wrecks. Jobs are going away, not knowing what we're going to do. You know, the, the coronavirus or COVID, I, whatever the name of it is this week, it, like, it, it's spiking all over the place again. They're shutting things down. The cities that didn't shut down are now shutting down. It, it's like it's chaos. And like, there's, there's got to be so much uncertainty in the world. Well, guess what? In Christ, we don't play by the world's rules. And if we turn off the news, I'm going to give you a little personal experience thing here for a second. When I, I've had to get off social media this week, but if I put on Twitter, for instance, right? Twitter, uh, of course, you see what's on social, Facebook or even the news. And you watch that. Every New, like on Twitter alone, extremely different opinion, extremely different opinion, extremely different opinion, all about the same subject. All people that maybe align with you politically. It's confusing. What's real? What's not? I don't know. But here's what I do know. It, as far as what's happening in the world, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Not going to lie. Not. But here's the thing, if I focus on that, I'm gonna go crazy and I'm never gonna get anything done. But when I focus on what God has called me to do and I get in line with his purpose for my life, guess what, all of a sudden I ain't got no problems. And the problems that I may see or come across, I understand that it's there to teach me something. I understand that, that, that God's gonna use it somehow or I know that it's probably just a distraction from the enemy. And I get to keep on moving. Turn off the news. And just focus on what God has called you to do. What is that? Pray, worship, spend time in the word, and then walk out what you learn in the word. I think that's, I said that right. Go exercise what you've learned. Try it out. Try it out. Try the obedience. And then focus on why God created you and what he's called you to do. You focus on that, all of a sudden, your family life taken care of. Your professional life taken care of. Your dreams. Listen, just because the world's going to hell doesn't mean your dreams can't come true. I'm experiencing that now. And I don't want, I'm not, I don't want to say it to brag, but I'm telling you when I start to focus on the other stuff, everything, now all of a sudden I feel like I'm in hell because the world is in hell right now. But we get to access the heavenly places and we get to live and play there. That's where magic and miracles <laughs> happen all day long, all night long, every day of the week. 
Focus on what God has called us to do. Through faith, we were able to receive the healing and health that is necessary for our bodies. I don't know the Bible verse. Um, actually, listen, I heard it today. But we're talking about when Jesus, like there was no faith. So Jesus couldn't perform miracles there because they didn't believe. It's a pretty powerful statement. Jesus will heal you. Just know that you're healed. Jesus healed me. Jesus will heal you. You gotta believe. Through faith, we receive the answers to our many prayers. God's not gonna answer. Look, God's not gonna say yes to everything you pray for. I mean, or maybe it's not always, you know, yes right now. Things don't happen as fast as we want. But here's thing, one thing I know for sure. When you serve the God that we serve, he has our best interest at heart. Anything he calls you to do, he will equip you to do. His timing is perfect. I think this over and over and over again about how, how if I would have achieved some of the things that I set out to achieve, where my life would be right now if I was even alive. Because I know that I did not have the maturity to handle what I would have received had God given it to me then. I was not going to be a good steward of what he had blessed me with. There's just no way. God's timing is right. So when we're asking God for more and more and more and more, make sure what we're asking for, the, the more of, let's make sure that we're being a good steward of what we have now. You want a new car? How are you taking care of the car you have now? You want more money? Are you giving your tithes and offerings? How are you managing your money that you've been blessed with now? You get the point. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of you have ever felt the pressure to... You know when you just get busy? Like, I'm learning this right now. A couple times this week has been a, it's a, an exercise in this. But we're called, like, we, God gives us a, a responsibility, and we're, like, all in for it. But when we go all in for something, for God, the one thing that we cannot, and as busy as we get, we can never forget to make time for God. The other thing that we get to do, if we have families, and again, you get, God goes, okay, I got something for you. This is like, this is going to be the coolest thing ever. It's going to exhaust you. It's going to be tiring. It's going to be hard. You're going to want to quit. But, like, this is what you've asked for. And I got it for you right here, right now. 
and you get so excited that you've got it, you have this opportunity, and you wanna, you wanna show that you're willing to work hard for it. So you get zoned in. You're like, all right, and you're all locked in, and you're not going anywhere, and you're just focused, and you're locked in, and you're working, you're working 18 hour days, and you're exhausted, you're kind of strung out from working, but you're all like, just overstimulated, but you just can't stop working. And then you've got kids that want your attention. What do you do? What do you do? God's given me this responsibility, but then I've got this responsibility too. Like, how do you do it? Oh yeah. And then you get to spend time with God too. What do you do? But I got, I'm, 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 I'm obsessed. I got to get this work done. I got to finish writing. I got to, got to get all this stuff, you know, whatever it may be for you. We cannot forget how we got there in the first place. Giving no matter what, no matter if you sleep in late, no matter what it is, we have to give the first part of our morning when we wake up. That first part has to go to God, no matter how busy you are. And the one thing that I know I'm being tested with, because I love to work. And to be honest with you, up until this last few months, I again, I've been in a cocoon. I've been hiding. God's like insulated me and incubated me. And I, I have, I've got, you know, was taking a nap every day, you know, like a 10 minute nap. And, you know, and, and like, I didn't have a lot going on. And now I do a lot and it's kind of stressful sometimes. That's okay, that's a normal thing. But again, children looking at me, hey, pay attention to me and needing attention. And you're like, Ugh! like be quiet for a second, chill out. Let me, let me finish working and I'll pay attention to you. And as I'm thinking it in my head, I'm going, isn't this how you lost your last kids? Isn't this how? You put other things before them, and mind you, it was drugs and sex and all of that and work. But like, kind of that's like going back to give in to something that afflicted me the first time. And that's weighed on me. And like learning how to balance that. And you know, for some of you are like, yeah, that's having a kid, dummy. Like that's what it is. But, I mean, our work, I mean, what we're called to do is it's not about work. Like, it's God, our family, then maybe work. So we have to make sure, I don't know why I went off on this tangent, but we have to make sure that our priorities, even if we're working hard, even if we've got a lot going on, we have to keep our priorities straight and keep them in order and keep them in line. But first things first, we gotta put God first in everything we do. And I believe by putting God first in everything we do, then we have the discernment to be able to go, you know what, I need to step away from work right now and pay attention. And this is my main, my main responsibility is making sure these children grow up to be God-fearing, God-loving, Jesus-worshiping children 
and for them to live in their purpose and for me to protect them and to help them grow up and have a normal life to keep them from, and you can't keep kids from everything, but you know what? I get to do my part and I get to be a good steward of those children because you know what? How you lead your family is also how you will lead at work. And that realization doesn't escape me anymore, but I'm still learning how to balance it. But if we seek him first, we'll be able to have the, not, the, the, we'll have the wisdom, we'll have the guidance to have the discernment that we need to keep things in order and to keep things moving along. I hope that makes sense. The message is one of the most important principles in the release of our faith. Without this principle or quality working in our lives, we will never know what it is to have our faith released effectively. This quality is found in the book of Galatians and is called love. Faith works and operates by love. It takes faith for you to be able to say, I'm done with this job. It takes faith for you to decide that I'm going to start that ministry or start that talk show or start whatever. It takes faith. But man, I'm telling you, <laughs> you're not going to be asked to step if, take a step of faith. Make sure that this is right. Holy Spirit, help me. You're not going to be asked to take a step of faith that isn't leading you to something you don't love. Because, again, even though you're surrendering to God's will, like, God, use all of me, I surrender, you know, I, 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 your will be done. The funny thing is, God's will for your life is actually something you love. I promise you. Like, if you don't like touching people's mouth and it kind of grosses you out, there's a good chance that God's not going to ask you to be a dentist. I hope that's right. <laughs> Seriously, like the things that he calls you to do, you actually love. It's kind of awesome. And guess what? It's going to require you Oh, this is the other thing. It's going to require you to do this thing that you're called to do. Odds are you're going to do it free for a while. Think about the pastor. The pastor walked away. He was making really good money, painting cars. He walked away and he like, I don't know how in the world he paid rent. I have no idea. It doesn't even make sense. I didn't, it doesn't make sense at all how he did it, except for that's if it doesn't make sense, typically it's because... Like if your brain can comprehend it, it's probably not of God. But that's the, the wonders of God, is God provides. You step out in faith, God calls you to do something, you're obedient. And it's the thing that fulfills your heart and soul with, and unlike anything else in the world. But there's a chance what you're being called to do, you're not going to see money from it for a little bit. 
it's fascinating, but you love doing it. And here's the thing. You love doing it so much that you just want to keep doing it over and over and over again. And you want to master it. You want to be the best. You do it with pride. You do it in excellence. It's all you, it consumes you. Especially when you know that you're in line with what God has called you to do. And it's the most amazing thing. But everyone around you is going to say, you need to get a job. You need to go to college. You need to do this. You need to do that. That's what other people are going to tell you. But you know what? That's not what you're called to do. I mean, some of you are called to go to college. I'm not telling you. I'm not doing that. But I am saying, you know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm. You, you, I'm talking to you. Because God is calling you to do something that you keep saying no to. Because like, yeah, but I got to pay rent. But God is pulling you. Like it's coming out of your chest. You gotta do this. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Now, yeah, but I gotta, I gotta pay rent. I gotta get a job. I gotta keep this job. I gotta stay in this this marriage, even though he's abusing me. So we say no to God because we're scared because we've been programmed to believe. We have to do things the way of the world, the way things have always been done. Well, look what that's got, where that's got in the world. If we were all living in our purpose, none of this other stuff would be happening in the world because we'd be so in tune with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that we would not have time for these distractions. We'd be focused on building the kingdom and being focused in the kingdom means we're focused on serving, giving, using our gift to be a blessing to other people. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Galatians 5, 6, the relationship between faith and love. For Paul, the controlling principle of life is faith expressed in love. As in the life of Christ, the essence of Christianity is not legalism, but a personal relationship to Jesus Christ, which is characterized by faith and love. We see this time and time again in the writings of Paul. Ephesians 1, 15, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You want to experience the love of Christ? Be obedient to the call that he's called on you. Your relationship will grow because you are going to, God will stretch you. Like you remember Gumby? Was it Gumby? The Gumby doll, the stretchy guy? God's going to stretch you like you're going to be a Gumby. Stretch beyond your mind's comprehension of what you're capable of. Because here's the thing. You on your own will are not capable of much. But you in Christ are limitless. And you will do a great thing great things in his name. But you can't do that without being fully surrendered to what he has called you to do and to be. 
Be obedient to his calling, his promptings. Be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is ripping your chest out for you to do. When you think of love, what comes to your mind? The marks of love are found in her in 1 Corinthians 13. These are the characteristics that release faith in our lives so that we are able to receive what God has for us. Some of the things mentioned here are as follows. Long-suffering. Got to have faith. Kindness. Lack of envy. Forgiveness. Is not provoked. Self-sacrifice. Humility. That's a tough one. Self-abasement. Kindness. Good behavior. Hope. Unselfishness. So when you think of love, what comes to your mind? The marks of love are found in 1 Corinthians 13. These are the characteristics that release the faith in our lives. Believes all things. Patience, rejoicing, endurance. The example of Jesus feeding the 5,000, John 14, 1-21. Jesus performed many miracles while he ministered in the fullness of Christ on earth for three and a half years. He always exhibited a perfect faith that was motivated by a genuine love for the people he had been sent to minister to. He's always exhibited a perfect faith that was motivated by a genuine love for the people he had been sent to minister to. When I read that, I think of our calling. Everything that Jesus has brought you out of, everything you've been delivered from, Those are your people, like, to minister to, to free. Like, I recognize fully that not everybody's going to relate to my message. It's just not. Not everybody can identify with it, and that's okay. But that's why it's important for the kingdom, for us all to use our testimonies. It's our, it's our ministry. It's, 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 it's how we get to help others heal. It's Christ doing a work in us to be able to, 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 to bless other people, to help them heal. Some of you can heal with just a word. In the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000, we see how perfectly love was the motivation behind the miracle. Doesn't it feel good to help others, to set them free? Like when you share your testimony and somebody, like it resonates with them, it speaks to their heart. Don't you feel the love? This was a great victory for Jesus and for the people. In fact, they were ready to make him king following this miracle. How does this apply to us in practical in a practical way, day to day. Are you praying in faith for your marriage? Do you even pray with your spouse? Ladies, you dating? Make your man pray with you. And if he won't pray with you, kick his butt out the door. Got to pray together. Holy jeez, man. 
And especially when you get aligned, when you get aligned with God's purpose for your life, and then God lines you up with the woman or man that you're to be with, and you share a vision, and you're all in, the enemy's still going to attack you. And there's going to be a lot of times you've got to pray your way out of it. There's got to, I mean, you should pray anyway, and praying together is an amazing thing. But praying, you got to pray when you're in the trenches too. You got to pray when you want to punch, <laughs> don't do this, please. But like when you're wanting to strangle your, your spouse, you know, because you're angry at them, they're a butthead to you, whatever. You know, like you, that, that's a good time to pray too. But are you praying for faith? You praying in faith for your marriage? Like, are you believing big things for your marriage? Because here's the thing. This is the time for warriors to step up and kingdom, like king, kings and queens, like women are warriors too. My sister's keeper, you ladies, you're warriors. You're warriors. Women that are watching this show right now, you're warriors. And when you find your partner, you are to be warriors together, kingdom warriors. And you will fight and slay enemies at your left and your right and behind you, in front of you. You will slay them for other people. You will set people free. But there is going to be warfare. You have to be prayed up. You have to be willing to pray together. And you know what? It's probably the sexiest thing you can ever do for a woman, men. Just saying. Do acts of kindness and unselfish deeds, do acts of kindness and unselfish deeds even when your mate is unworthy of your love. This will release your faith in God's hand in their life. Pray together. What about the grumpy boss you're praying for to get saved? Do you respond in love when you feel you're being taken advantage of? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I would be lying through my teeth right now if I, <laughs> and I don't have a boss really, but you know, when I am a client or somebody's, you know, whatever, like when somebody gives us a gig to do, I look, it's no, like, and I, it could be anybody for that matter. No, I don't always do this and I get to work on it. And when I say grumpy boss, again, I don't have a grumpy boss, but I'm just thinking of grumpy people, people that are in positions of authority that probably don't belong there. It's infuriating for me. And it's really, really hard to go wanting to go like flipping them off mentally. Do you respond in love when you feel you're being taken advantage of? No, because I don't want to be taken advantage of. Nothing makes me more fighting mad than that. But I get to work on that. Are you praying in faith for financial provision? What's your motivation? Is it for selfish gain 
or is it to be uh, to better your family's needs or to to basically to provide for your family? Man, I remember a lot of times when I was begging God for more money, what it was for. I mean, I would lie to God and lie to myself about what it was for, but I knew what was coming. Again, why I'm so thankful that God didn't answer prayers from years ago, because I would not have been a good steward of what he had blessed me with. Holy Moses. It would have been ugly. But now... Now I just want to provide a home. I want a place to call home. I want to do something special in the world and I want to leave a legacy that my kids, whether I ever get to see them again or not, that after I'm dead, they'll be proud of. And they'll be able to see that the junkie that gave him up for adoption, God did something special in his life and did something special to him. I want to make my mom proud too. I want to make my church proud. And I want the people that I hurt to forgive me. What about your gifting in God? What's your motive? Is it to build others up or is it to puff yourself up? This is why we can't focus on gifts. Focus on the relationship so the gifts come through us. Man, when you start... You know what? And I don't want to offend anybody. But I think if you go around calling yourself a prophet, you probably need to be kicked in the nuts. I think it's just a spit in the face to God. I just do. Like, why do you, it's drawing attention to yourself. And maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But it sets people up for expectations that are, and I know there's people that call themselves prophet at my church. I'm not trying to insult you, but I just think, Having that on your business card is petty. Because in a way, we all have the gift of prophecy. Like, you know, we all have gifts. Not, I, I don't, anyway, I don't want to make anyone mad. But I just, I feel like when we do that, we're drawing attention to the wrong thing. Instead of just allowing the gifts to come through us. Because also, we set people's expectations up for something when you walk around like oh you're a prophet no give me this and then all of a sudden there's this demand on you that you need to go now be a prophet and prophesy and so and then what if you don't have anything but then you're like well crap i gotta do this i'm gonna pull this thing out of my butt and i hope it's right like there's so many like bland and broad prophecies it's just like what yeah of course of course that's gonna happen but like, it's not prophetic. It's just like connecting the dots and go, yeah, this is what's gonna happen because this, this, and this happened. Anyway, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but honestly, 
like it's like painting a target on your back and also say put the focus on me and and it just to me sets up expectations that can be wrong and it says look at me this is what i do this is what god gave me we're all gifted it's about the relationship not your title not your not your gifts because we all have gifts. We're all born for gifts. You didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't. You were born with it. I was getting visions when I was basically playing with Satan. I got visions. Like, how do you think I picked my, my sexual victims? Is because I knew what I could do and what I could get away with. Like, when you can see people and you can read their mind, it's like, you know, I was born with that. Now, mind you, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit to kind of guide you. But again, you're born with a gift. There's discernment, and there's, and there's a way of using your gift when you have a relationship with Jesus. Boy, I think I just offended a lot of people. Anyway, the point is, it's about the relationship with Jesus. It's all Jesus. All gifts come from God. So we get to be humble to that fact. And calling yourself a prophet and putting on a business card, putting on your website, I'm prophetess. It's offensive. It disgusts me. It offends me. I don't like it. And you know what? I don't think I'm supposed to be offended. So I think I'm wrong with that. But you know what? I'm just being honest. Yeah, but what is your motive? What is your motive to calling yourself or giving yourself that title? Because in the end, it's supposed to be all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I should put a disclaimer. The Word of God Church does not endorse anything I say. I said this on my own. Their views don't align with mine necessarily. But I really feel that way. Sorry. No, I'm not apologizing. No. I feel that way. I could be wrong, but that's how I feel. We should be giving all the glory to God. Like our name, who we are, the name we were given, that's what we should go by. I understand pastor, deacon, I get all that. But when we start giving ourselves titles centered around our gifts, I think it's offensive to God, in my opinion. When the phone rings at an inconvenient time, do you get all bent out of shape or do you respond in love? I get to work on that one too. Man, that's a rough one for me. <laughs> Don't even like it when my phone rings. Even, I, but, well, sometimes. Like, I'm just not in the space to, like, talk to people. But when my phone rings, I feel like I have to pick it up. And then, you know, and then if I talk to somebody in the, red, the, the wrong headspace, I could probably offend them. Or maybe I'm a little bit nasty in short. This is something I get to work on. Take the time to listen and draw them out. Even when you, even when you are not feeling it, your gifting will come out as you take the time to respond in love. Well, there you go. It's all about surrender, right? It's all about love. Faith, love. Huh. 
That's awesome. Remember, faith and love are inseparable. Practicing love from day to day in all these areas will keep you in a place where your faith is being released in a positive way. Let me do that again. Remember, faith and love are inseparable. Practicing love from day to day in all of those areas keeps you in a place where your faith is being released in a positive way from day to day. I'll remember that. Romans 1.17, For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Wow. That was, uh, I really, if I did offend anybody, it wasn't like my intention. I really wasn't. Sometimes, you know, opinions are like, never mind, I won't say that either. <laughs> so I'm going to go into something else in just a second. Um, but now this. All right, that was fun. And lest I should be exalted above the measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. How many times have you asked God to remove something from you and he hasn't? I think about this mental uniqueness that I have. I call it uniqueness because it's a more pleasing word than saying illness. And I remember thinking it was gone until I felt the weight of it in a big way last week. And, um, you know, I'm in, I have the opportunity right now that I'm getting to, I was telling you, I'm writing a movie and I'm writing the stories for the different people in the movie. And it's it's been an amazing experience, but there's a gentleman that I'm, that is, I'm going to be writing about next who sent me this. Had the opportunity to talk to him yesterday and uh, he said, this is my ministry. And so I'm going to read this and commentate on it. And I, I'm, I'm, and I, I felt it in my spirit when he said, this is your ministry. And I've read it, read this about five times and really trying to apply it to understand it. It's been, it's been interesting for me. And so I'm going to read this and I pray that it makes sense to you. I pray that it, it like says something to your heart. It speaks to you because I'm again, I'm kind of at the mercy with the Holy spirit here because I, as much as I read the Bible and I try to read different versions and I get frustrated sometimes with the King James because I don't really understand it. And the words start to dance around the page. And so I kind of listen to it more, and, but I change versions of the Bible because when I get frustrated, it separates my focus and my time with God. So I go to the message and, you know, the different, uh, the different versions, the NIV, and I, I try to mix it up to where I understand it, but I'm hearing it in different ways. 
But this version, you know, I'm reading to fully, fully take to heart because it felt like it was my ministry. But we'll see. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. Lord, take it away, take it away, take this away from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Where I am weak, he is strong. You'll be weak in the things that you're called to do. God will call you to do things that you are not qualified for, but you're equipped. And you'll be provided every resource you need, every team member, the knowledge, the Holy Spirit, guidance. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in necessities in persecutions in distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. One of the greatest habits in the world to get into is when you hit that wall, you're at your wits end. It's just to train your brain, like train this trigger inside your body that when this happens, you just go, God, I surrender. Thy will be done. Holy Ghost, help me. Just cry out for him. Let God know, okay, I realize, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need you. I cannot do this without you. I cannot do it without you. I am become a fool in glory. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Paul gives us a penetrating look into how the false, false apostles had false divinizations to make themselves look like super apostles. Paul is showing us that God gave him visions and revelations so deep, they are too personal and deep to even utter. And God also gave him a thorn in the flesh to allow him to struggle against Satan's schemes. I wonder why that happened. The way Paul describes this vision in the third person to start can mean he was contrasting it with how the false apostles did the same thing as Gnostics with special knowledge from angels. See that, when I read this, what the heck? When I read this about the special, the Gnostics, I think about people that channel other spirits. Like we're, we're in a spiritual battle. I talked to somebody on my phone yesterday or the day before, 
and they were talking about channeling spirits or channeling different things. I'm like, well, what are you channeling? And the answer I got terrified me. The Holy Spirit's not the only spirit. It's the only one that you should be allowing to guide you. But don't get it twisted. There's spirits everywhere. My borderline personality disorder and DID, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. And mind you, that spirit is not, those, those spirits are not in me anymore, but I can feel them all around me. I can feel them as they come and they put, they press on my shoulders and they go into the back of my head. And it's like this thing that wants to come over me and eventually take over. I can feel it. I can feel the pressure and I don't like the pressure. It's, it doesn't poke me like a thorn, but it weighs on me like a boulder. And it's this fog that comes and presses on me and the weight and it's just wanting me to give in and let it take over again. But people rely on these spirits and people play in these, the spiritual world. I'm spiritual, but not religious. They play with Ouija boards and tarot cards and like all that. And you're summoning, you're not in control of those spirits. Oh, sure. I believe there's other good spirits that float around. Absolutely. Like, you probably, see, I mean, some of you have seen your grandma. You know, the spirit of your grandma. You've seen that. I'm, some of you have. I don't think you want that spirit taking over your body. Just saying. But these angels, Gnostics, getting this special information. There's people that have, you tapped into the wrong spirits. Yeah, there's people that have prophetic gifts that really is more sorcery or, or, or witchcraft or, or, you know, tarot card readers or fortune tellers. Like a fortune teller is a visionary. It's the same thing. It's prophetic, but bad spirits can be given the information too. And then they can do enough little twists because you put your faith in that. They give you enough of a little twist. Like some of it's true. Some of it hits home. But there's a little sprinkle there that's meant to basically wreck your life and God's purpose for your life. Paul establishes that he is speaking of himself as he transitions to the first person in, in verse 7. Paul tells us this vision happened 14 years prior when he was in Syria. Paul contrasted himself with false prophets, or I'm sorry, with the false apostles, and that he didn't brag or expand on his vision as it was too hard to describe and personal to him from God, but does show us that it came with a price with, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. The Greek word for thorn in the Septuagint is scallops, which means something which frustrates and causes trouble in the lives of those afflicted. What's your thorn in the side? Like for me, 
It's those demons. It's those are the messengers of Satan. The ones that tell me I'm not good enough, the ones that tell me to kill myself, the ones that tell me to do this or that, that's going to end my life. Or wreck or distract from God's purpose for my life. We read how Paul wrestled with God over his affliction from Satan with, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. We can imagine that Paul wept over this thorn. Paul fasted. Paul prayed zealously for the Lord to remove it. And on the third request, God answered him no with an explanation. Paul tells us that God told him that his grace is sufficient. Remember, Paul tells us this thorn is a messenger of Satan to buffet him from becoming prideful. Those same messengers, like for me, pride is a big thing. Arrogance, cockiness, thinking I'm a bad mamma jamma. I mean, I can slip that. Like it, I, it can easily take over. My ego can easily take over and not fit into a room. Can't. That happens. When God's not first in my life, that happens. But like that thorn, the thorn on my side is, is there to remind me of just how much I need the Lord. And I can't do it without him. Because I don't think I had the thorn or felt that thorn on my side when I was living in sin and I was doing all of the bad things that I was doing before. I was doing a lot of bad stuff but I didn't feel it. Now I feel the thorn in my side serving him, but it's always there to remind me of the life I could go back to. I don't want to go back to that life. I won't go back to that life, but you know what? God's not taking it away from me either. But there's, there's a joy I have in being able to talk about the thorns, the sin, the mistakes, the screw-ups, the failures, the times that I'm not with it, the times that I'm not my best, the times that I'm struggling. It's there to remind me of how much I need God. We can see the fruit of why God allowed Satan to war against Paul because we can now, we can see how the servant took every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. We can see how Paul was thankful in all circumstances to avoid quenching the Holy Spirit. The more we remove of ourselves, the more reliant we are on God. And I promise you, the more reliant we are on God, the more powerful we are. Because even though reliant feels like I'm dependent, like a little baby, and you're like, you're, we're all grown-ups here, but when you're reliant on like a baby, it's amazing how powerful you are. And yeah, you have the power to take authority over your demons. You have these powers, but at the same time, 
You're still completely reliant and dependent on Holy, the Holy Spirit and God to shape and mold and to guide you. And the more you press in and go, I want all that you have for me, God, the bigger the challenge, the bigger the stretching of your faith becomes. The more necessary it is to completely to surrender your will for his. I think our will comes from the wrong place. We can see in Ephesians 5.10, Paul tells us that children of the light don't have fellowship with darkness and to test and prove what pleases the Lord. At times, the word of God calls us to expose the works of darkness so that some will be saved. At times, the word of God calls us to expose the works of darkness. The works of darkness can be happening through you, this again, this is our testimonies. Like why our testimony matters so much. Like putting a spotlight on your shadow world was what God commanded me to do when Gratitude Unfiltered was born. When it was created, put a spotlight on your shadow world. It was exposing not just my darkness, but it's, even though I didn't name names, it exposed a very dark world. And by doing that and then showing what Jesus did for me to pull me out of that life, I now get to show others how to do the same thing. Isn't God awesome? What a cool opportunity. Because that's very much part of our purpose. And if you're not doing that, you're not living you're not living for God. If you're withholding your testimony for people, you are not living for God. You are not doing what you were created to do. God knew there was going to be sin. God knew there was going to be pain and hurt. But guess what? He gave all of us the opportunity to use those very hurts as revenge on the enemy that hurt us. Because of this thorn in Paul's flesh, we know that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Can you see God why can you see why God allowed this thorn in Paul's flesh? I'm adding Paul's next letter to the Corinthians that didn't make it into the Bible in this book. It's, this is an excerpt, by the way, in part because of this verse where we read how God allowed the thorn in Paul's flesh as a messenger of Satan to increase Paul's discernment and faith and faith with, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in, in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We know from the text before this that God gave Paul such deep revelation of the third heaven while he was likely in Syria after his Damascus experience with Christ 14 years prior. It is like God is showing Paul the spiritual war so clearly in his vision that it corresponds with his repentance moment with Jesus where the scales fell from his eyes. 
God allows Satan to antagonize Paul with this thorn to expose the schemes of fallen angels. The fallen angels influenced false apostles under Gnostic religion that lifted up, being more enlightened by spirits outside of biblical text. Paul is exposing them by showing us how he brags about his weaknesses that show God's grace. This is why I think God's not upset, or Jesus is not obsessed with sin. Because if we confess it, and we confess it publicly, God gets to use it. The devil doesn't like that. Because when you expose it, what does the devil have on you? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, sure, there may be consequences, but not like the consequences when you keep it secret. And really, frankly, the greatest consequences from our sin is the self-punishment that we give ourselves. The shame, the hiding, the lying, and all of those things that we do when we're trying to cover our sin, then it's keeping us from being the light that we're called to be, and then it affects all of our relationships, and all of a sudden we're not putting God first, all of a sudden we're not praying with our girlfriend or our husband or wife, and you know what I mean? Like, And then all the th things get a little crazy. That's how the devil wins. But when we confess our sin, when we repent of it and put a light on it, the devil got nothing. He's got nothing. Again, what an amazing God we serve. My um, future stepdaughter <laughs> lied today over something silly. And, um, but it lied. It's because she was scared of getting in trouble. You know what? I can relate. I can relate. It's the greatest liar. <sighs> My lies had lies. <laughs> lies upon lies. And it's like, I was just scared. And it was a lie. And, but I, I, I it broke my heart for her to lie because she didn't need to. And like, where does that come from? Like, where do kids, when is it that we decide that we need to lie? Is it because we punish so hard or, or what? I don't know. I, I don't remember why I lied. I mean, obviously I scared getting in trouble and scared some of the other things that, you know, I lied after being molested, lied, you know, I mean, I lied to cover the things that were happening at home. I, I mean, I, I learned to lie. But like, it broke my heart, you know, and like gave her multiple chances and there was consequences for the lie. But like when I pleaded with her and I was begging, I was like, listen, you can be honest. Like you won't be in trouble for being honest, but for lying, you're going to get in trouble. There's consequences for it. And I think about all the lies. Like I wanted to call my mom today and go, I am so sorry for all the lies I told you. Because lies mess people up. Lies can be traumatic because you can confuse people and then they don't know what the reality is. They don't know what's real. And they love you and they want to be there for you, but then like you're lying to them or they think you're lying, but you convince them that you're being honest. You play that whole game. It messes with people. But hiding our sin is lying.
And that's what the devil wants from us is to keep that in the shadows. Put the spotlight on it. I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul takes pleasure in infirmities because he knows God is allowing it for a purpose. Is Paul a TV preacher asking you to sow a seed of money for healing? No. He is a preacher who is believable because his faith is so strong, he is willing to die to follow Christ wherever the Lamb goes. We read why Paul boasts about his weaknesses rather than his PhDs with, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you. For in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is in it which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Paul is homeless most of the time with his dispersed Christians, and he is making tents, preaching Christ crucified, buried, and risen for the remission of sins. That was good. And you know what? I'm learning more about it. Like, I, I obviously, I, I didn't nail that, and it wasn't, I don't know how accurate I was, but you know how it applied to me. I don't think we need to be ashamed of our thorns. I don't think we need to be ashamed of them. In fact, when we boast about them, God has an amazing way of using it. We hide all the wrong things. I feel I I, I feel led to say this. Um, I feel led to say this again, but I keep thinking about this generation of broken homes, cheating, abuse, and so on. Because I look at some of the problems that are happening in the world right now, and let's just take sin out of it for a second. I don't know why, and maybe because I'm so far removed from it and I've seen what God's done with it, but we men are still hiding the things that happen to us because we feel that it's not manly to admit that you were molested or sexually abused, physically abused. Yeah, we're suffering in silence, and because we're suffering in silence, we actually end up taking that toxic crap from what happened to us that's built up over the years and starting to poison our soul and our spirit. And you see, we can't be all that God has created us to be until we heal all the wounds of our past. So when we keep those wounds of the past secret, for whatever reason whether we're protecting somebody, 
we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, we're ashamed of what maybe has come out of it. You can't heal until you set it free. And here's the thing. The things that happen to when children are raped, it it affects your neural pathways. I, I can go into some pretty grotesque science about how certain body parts are connected to your spinal cord which go up to your brain that when you're molested it causes a personality split it doesn't go back now you can learn to cope you can learn to manage it but there's things that happen in that personality split that you do not come back from and so there's some of you that have been serving the lord for a really long time but you're li still living in secret because you have this secret sin you have the secret thorn in your side. You're confused. You don't understand what's right. The Bible tells you that being a homosexual is wrong. Yet, and you and you believe it because you believe the Bible and you're serving the Lord and you pray every day and you're trying to be in your relationship with your wife or your girlfriend, but then you have all these other things going on and you're keeping it silent and you're not talking about it and it's just escalating the problem look i didn't get hiv from eating frosted flakes i got it because of what happened you know there's obviously being molested and then i didn't get help i didn't speak about it then drugs made the nightmares turn to fantasies. And then I started exploring. And then I started chasing that high, the sex and drug high. And those of you that know about it, the two know what I'm talking about. And that's a demon in itself. And then you twist your reality around and but then you're sneaking around because you definitely don't want people to know what you did. As I've been writing my story about my life in LA and I'm sharing things that I've never shared before, saving for the movie. But as I'm writing this, I, I, I kind of want to vomit. I want to thank God. And then at the same time, I also realize that why this, I mean, one, it's a, the consequences for my actions, but then also, what Jesus did for me. But there's a thorn in my side also that doesn't go away and I thank God for it. I serve the Lord. He has healed my heart. My mind is a little wacky sometimes. And I renew my mind every day 
but it doesn't mean that my mind is always in agreement with what my heart wants. So there's desires, there's temptations, there's things like that that happen to me at every turn. And see, for me, it's a perfect storm of, there's all kinds of things that I've had all of these triggers and I've learned how to retrain triggers, but the thorn in my side is very much, there's a multiple things there. Multiple demons that want to attack and taunt me with it. And you know what? When demons taunt you, they don't always come across like demons. Sometimes they look like little angels of light. They romanticize things to you. They make things sound wonderful. I'm telling you this to say that you don't have to. The reason why this stuff has no power over me anymore is one, I know my authority, but two, and this matters, it's because I've also confessed it and talked about it. And I allow God to use it and God gets to use it. I'm grateful when people, when men reach out to me or even wives reach out to me and go, will you please talk to my husband? He thinks I don't know. Your double life, you can't outrun. You can't outrun your secrets. They will pop up and they will pop up at the most inconvenient time. And here's the thing, all this, the struggle and the confusion that you have and that you're dealing with and that you're suffering with, all of that confusion is coming from your secret. Because as long as you keep it in like stuff down in here, the devil's going to use it. The devil's going to twist it. The devil's going to manipulate you. The devil's going to shame you. You're going to shame yourself. You're going to think no one loves you. You got to let go. If you are molested, like I'm not even telling you to go into all of your exploits and how you try to cope with it and deal with it. I'm not talking about that right now, but I'm talking about the secret, your secret hurt, your secret pain. You got to get it out because it's the only way that you're going to start the healing process is you got to get the light on it in the light of Jesus and allow, allow Jesus to work on you. I beg you to please let it go and let Jesus work on you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this broadcast. Thank you for all of the people watching. I just ask that you speak to their hearts. You give them the courage to be able to speak boldly what their truth is, to let those secrets out, to put a spotlight on their shadow world. They can do it with somebody they trust, but either way, they got to get it out because nothing good grows in the dark. Holy Spirit, do a work on their mind, do a work on their heart, do a work on their spirit. Take over their life. Let them know the truth. Let them know that you are the way. You are the truth. You are the light. You are what gives life. Surrender. Surrender your life. Do it from your heart. This is not a raise your hand, but if you need Jesus, if you need to be transformed, if you need to have your mind, your heart, and your soul renewed, just say, Jesus, I surrender. Take my life, my life, 
is no longer my own, Jesus. Renew my mind, renew my heart, I surrender. My life is no longer my own. Use all of me for your purpose. Take this pain and use it for good. Use all of it. I surrender all of it, Lord. Take my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for giving me a purpose. Thank you for giving me a reason to live, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I lay it all at your feet. My worries, my concerns, I lay it all at your feet, Father. I want bold faith. I want supernatural faith. I want the supernatural life in you, Lord. I give it. I give this old dead body to you. Use me. Use all of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew. Hour and 40 minutes. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much uh, for being here. Word of God Church, thank you. Um, everyone watching right now, uh, sow where you want to grow. Sow in good soil. Give to go, uh, My Brother's Keeper, which is also Word of God Church. Any dollar amount counts. Go to GoFundMe.com slash, well, GoFundMe.com, uh, My Brother's Keeper 2020. Anything you can give will make a huge, huge difference uh, in supporting My Brother's Keeper and Word of God Church. God bless you. Thank you for watching. Good night.